This is an ABC podcast. Hello, welcome to Coronacast, the daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan on this really important day for all proud Victorians, Tuesday the 27th of October. Yes, finally yesterday in Victoria, um, the Premier Dan Andrews announced the revised roadmap towards back to COVID normal and it was a real relief for Victorians and the rest of the nation. Norman, what's sort of the highlights of what Dan um, Andrews said yesterday? Well, I think it's the comprehensiveness of the opening up. There's no dilly-dallying now. Retail, hospitality, people getting back to work. Um, you know, yes, there are restrictions on indoor numbers and outdoor numbers, but if you live in New South Wales, you're used to that, and that will take a while to loosen up. But everything just gets going, and later on today, the numbers in households will become clearer because that is a high-risk environment. But if New South Wales is anything to go by, you won't really notice it too much and it will loosen up with time as long as there aren't any significant outbreaks. There was a big milestone in Victoria yesterday have zero cases and the last time the, the state had zero cases was on the 9th of June, 140 days ago. So obviously there's still probably going to be cases filtering through in the next few days, but really, really heartening to see this really hard work that they've been doing paying off. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I, I mean, there will still be virus in Victoria and you will see the odd cluster popping up, as indeed they do in New South Wales, but eventually it will get down to almost zero spread. So it's, it's fantastic news. But the Premier was right. It, it, constant vigilance is what's required. COVID normal does not mean normal. COVID normal means social distancing. It means not getting together in too large numbers too early. It means being really careful at home. It means continuing to wear masks outside. So Victoria's lucky that they've got mandated masks. New South Wales doesn't yet. You know, things like hair salons can only do services when the client's wearing a face covering. Coronacast listeners will remember that we covered the story in a few weeks ago, perhaps a few months ago. I can't remember now, but the... Time is a flat circle. That's right. The uh, In the United States, where two positive hair salon workers did not pass the virus on to their clients by wearing masks and insisting that their clients wear masks. So it's really important. So these things will protect us moving forward. One of the things that really stood out to me when Daniel Andrews was talking about what this new normal looks like is how much the rest of the country can learn from this because in places that aren't Victoria and New South Wales, it's been quite a long time since there's been a lot of virus circulating in the community that we know about at least. Um, and I know from my own experience living in Queensland that I think there's a lot of complacency that's crept in and it's probably a good time to just refocus and go, this isn't normal life. We've still got to keep our guards up. That's right. And it could come in. It could come in on a ship from overseas. You've already seen problems in Western Australia. Nobody is particularly safe. The risk of spread by opening up borders now is extremely low, but it does mean we've all got to be careful moving forward. Um, at some point, international borders are going to have to open up. We're just going to have to learn what COVID normal actually means. Now, New South Wales, already they're moving. You saw, you saw the football matches. You know, it doesn't feel too abnormal in, 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 in New South Wales, and that's the way it will feel in Victoria. But I think those two states are better prepared for this than the other states. And um, we've got to open up the borders and people just will have to be more careful. 
Definitely in Australia, we're in a much better position than other parts of the world where COVID normal is nowhere near normal life. And in the States, the Centers for Disease Control have expanded their definition of what a close contact means in terms of someone's ability to spread the virus. Yeah, they had this definition. By the way, these definitions are fairly arbitrary based on evidence that's not necessarily very solid. So they had a similar criterion to us, which right at the beginning of the pandemic, which uh, you might remember, which is you've got to be within a couple of metres of somebody for 15 minutes to have a significant chance of passing this on. And what we know now is the aerosol spread allows that to be contravened in indoor environments. But now they've redefined what a close contact is, if you just think about that as the means of spread. And there's no question that a lot of spread is through close contact. And what they've found is that, in fact, you can be in close contact with somebody over a 24-hour period repeatedly. So it's not just a 15-minute window. It's actually multiple occasions. And it comes from correctional facilities where they've shown that uh, the, the infection was probably a cumulative infection over a period of time. So it's no longer 15 minutes. It's still two metres in the case of the United States, but it can be over a 24-hour period, not just one 15-minute window. So multiple short episodes of contact. That's so interesting. And so how relevant is that to Australia where we now do have such low levels of the virus circulating? Well, it's relevant to the COVID Safe app because that really only measures 15-minute windows. And it's relevant in terms of what electronic assistance we might want to have moving forward in terms of geolocation. That's the, that's the main thing. It's also relevant for households where it might not just be somebody that you've given a hug to over a short period of time. They might be, have come to stay with you and they're in the household with you for, say, a whole day. And you, but you might have only been close to you. Know, you might think that you've only had been really close to them over 15 minutes, but the, the day might count in terms of repeated contact. So we'll take a few questions from the audience. But before we do, Norman, I have a piece of, I guess we could, we could call this feedback from Richard, saying it's a comment for Norman Swan. To paraphrase the late, great Douglas Adams, hey, you sass that hoopy Norman Swan? There's a fruit who really knows where his towel is. I think that's a reference to your recording towel. Are you under it right now? I'm not. I'm actually in the ABC studio recording this. And, you know, I do feel a bit nervous when I don't have the towel over my head. But I'm, uh, I'm so honoured to be called hoopy. That's just one of the great honours of this last six months. Absolutely. Eight months, nine months. How many months is it? Exactly. Again, it feels like a thousand years. So let's talk about wastewater, or as you like to call it, jobby water. Someone has picked up on a comment that we made the other day. So we were talking about how is it possible to pick up the virus in wastewater when there might be just a tiny amount in the litres and litres and litres of water in um, the sewerage system. And you suggested that it was using antibodies to detect the fragments. This person is saying, no, it's people. PCR because it can amplify the um, RNA very, very largely so that they can pick it up. Yeah, I had thought it was an antigen test, so looking for the actual virus itself. So th- this uh, study here does, quoted by this uh, listener, which we will um, put on our website, does talk about PCR in wastewater as the technique for amplifying the RNA fragments. We'll have, a, we'll have a look at that to see whether or not there is antigen testing in, in uh, wastewater and confirm that. But certainly one important technique, stand corrected, is PCR pretty much like your nose swab, 
except they don't. You're no swab and sewage before they do the test. And just staying on this theme, Kathy's saying she is pretty keen on the idea of using poo or wee samples to test for coronavirus because she's had two nasopharyngeal tests and has just found them so very painful and uncomfortable. How? What do you think it would take to validate a, a faecal test to see if that could be an option for people in Australia? That'll take a lot of work, and I suspect that uh, Kathy is. Not alone, but she's you know, probably in a minority in terms of being willing to do that. I think, Cathy, you're willing to do that sort of test is fantastic. And if more people were willing to do that, we'd have a higher uptake of bowel cancer screening in Australia. Bowel cancer screening is only uh, accepted by about 36% of the population, which means a lot of people turn up with advanced bowel cancer requiring advanced, expensive and painful treatment, which they would otherwise avoid it. So more of us should be willing to um, test our poo. Um, I find it hard to say jobby on <laughs> air because it's kind of, in Scottish terms, it's not, you know, anyway, not in polite company, but, you know, I've here, here I've said it. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not sure as a mass test. The, um, you, we've got the nasopharyngeal test. And I think you might have been unlucky, Cathy, in terms of the person doing the job. It's slightly eye-watering, but it's not that bad. So, Norman, on Insiders on Sunday, we had uh, the Science Minister, Karen Andrews, saying we probably won't have a vaccine for nine to 12 months. Is that time frame still sounding about right? I think she was talking about implementing the vaccine. And I think it was nu- nuanced as well. We've tended to put our money in Australia on the Oxford University vaccine, and that's the one that CSL is gearing up to manufacturing. Hopefully, and I haven't caught up with CSL recently, hopefully CSL is already manufacturing it or getting very close to it, so that if it is approved, and probably it will be, but we'll wait and see, it will be approved towards the end of the year, end of November, beginning of December, which is what Tony Fauci on Sunday was talking about in terms of vaccines being approved. So if that's the one that gets there, we're in pretty good shape in Australia. And that won't be nine to 12 months. That'll be sooner than nine to 12 months. I think what Karen Andrews was talking about was if the Astra one or the Oxford one fell over and it was the Moderna one or the German one which came through. Now, that's based on a different technology, mRNA, which CSL does not have available to it. The government, I think, chose not to tool up for mRNA manufacturing, which they were advised to do by experts at Monash University. So that'll take them a while to tool up. And that's where it would take nine to 12 months to get that vaccine if that's the one. So it depends on the technology of the vaccine that kind of passes the finish line first. Yeah. And if we're relying on us manufacturing it, there is an Indian group who might be manufacturing in very large amounts and uh, we might be able to get vaccine from there. The other thing that is going to take a while is mass immunisation of Australians. So even if we've got some coming through in December, January for the first quarter of 2021, I assume, and it will make a lot of sense, if high-risk groups get immunised first. So healthcare workers, first responders, people in aged care settings, the elderly with uh, other diseases, other, other diagnoses which give them extra risk, and then slowly move into the more general population. So it is likely that it's well into next year before the general population is immunised. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. If you want to send in a question, please do, and send it into abc.net.au slash coronacast. Go to Ask Your Questions and mention Coronacast so we can pick you up. And you can also leave us a comment there if you've got something you'd like to say. And also, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. We love reading them. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. <laughs>